Tundra Talk is brought to you by Frontier Outfitters and Century Hardware, your locally owned source for hunting, fishing, and shooting gear in interior Alaska. They sell proven gear that will tackle whatever Alaskan tasks you need it to, and Frontier always stays current with gear for the season. Whether you're baiting bears in the spring, fishing, camping, or dip netting in the summer, you're looking for game bags and moose camp gear in the fall, uh, if you need to stock up on trapping lures or just get everything you need to go ice fishing, they've got you covered. They always carry a wide variety of Alaskan-proven clothing and boots, camping gear, meat processing supplies, guns, ammo, reloading and shooting supplies, as well as camping gear and backpacking food. Downstairs in Century Hardware, you'll find a full hardware store naturally, and uh, you'll also find your snow machine, ATV, marine accessories down there. They go out of their way to stock plenty, plenty of quality, useful equipment. And whether you're gearing up for a hunting or fishing trip, working on a never-ending home improvement project, or anything in between, it's usually a one-stop shop. Frontier Outfitters is located on 3rd and Old Steese in Fairbanks, and they have a second location in North Pole, so make sure you stop in next time you need to gear up. This episode of Tundra Talk is also brought to you by Hedgecock Group Realtor Rick Lindsay, a guy that can take care of just about any of your real estate needs in the Fairbanks area. Now, the Hedgecock Group has been in Fairbanks North Pole real estate market since the early 80s, and their service is tailored to meet the diverse needs of home buyers in interior Alaska. Now, Rick has lived in Fairbanks for a long time and understands a lot of the less obvious ins and outs of buying and selling property around here. You know, things like water holding tanks and permafrost and all that jazz. Fairbanks is a really unique place to live, and having a realtor that knows what to look for in a quality place can make all the difference. Rick's a Marine Corps veteran and will work hard to get you exactly what you need. And if you're looking to buy or sell real estate in the Fairbanks or North Pole area, reach out to Rick at 907-378-6780. And go check out his Instagram at R-L-I-N-D-S-E-Y-113 at rlindsey113. He's really a passionate outdoorsman. He's just like us. He's one of us. And he loves to share his adventures on there. And he's got a pretty a pretty nice cranker of a ram that I'm jealous of. So go check him out. I know there's lots of you out there that dream of moving to Alaska, but it's a big step and can be kind of intimidating. Landing a solid job before you move can make things run a lot smoother, but you might not be sure of the job market or even really where to look. Now, if you're an experienced ASC certified or GM factory trained technician, I've got good news for you. Chevrolet GMC of Fairbanks is looking to hire qualified service department techs, and they've got enough work to keep you pretty much as busy as you want to be. Fairbanks Chevy has a very busy shop, but they allow for flexible scheduling. They offer top market pay rates with paid overtime, a great benefits package with 401k retirement plan with contribution matching. And, you know, for a service tech, you can really make a good solid living. They, they can offer relocation assistance to help get you up here, paid training to get you spun up, and they have a well-lit and well-maintained facility, and these are all things that I mean, help contribute to a great work atmosphere. On top of all that, they make it a priority to allow you to take your vacation time during hunting season, something that is really tough in the, in the service and construction industries here in Fairbanks and can sometimes be a deal-breaker for folks like us. Good help and hard workers are always welcome in Fairbanks, and if this is the opportunity you've been waiting for, apply at FairbanksChevy.com or call their service manager, Rick Lindsay, directly at 907-215-6444. That's how you do it. Welcome back to Tundra Talk, everybody. I'm Tyler Friel. This will be a little bit different kind of episode. Um, uh, we actually recorded a couple hour episode that was great the other night, and uh, probably due to my own stupidity, uh, something happened, and the way the files were on my SD card were not usable. Um, I don't know exactly what happened. I tried tried recovering them, and uh, yeah, that one's that one's lost forever, unfortunately. But uh, so on the episode, I had told the story of uh, of the grizzly bear I shot recently, and uh, you know it's pretty it's pretty fun story, a really really cool cool experience and cool night just getting out and hunting and actually having one show up and killing it, um, and uh, among other things that you know we got to catch got to catch up on on the podcast. So I uh, 
I did a I did this pod I recorded this podcast episode with um, my boss at Outdoor Life editor in chief Alex Robinson for the Outdoor Life podcast. Which you know, if you haven't checked that out, there's some really cool episodes, and we do like a, a pretty good variety of content on there. Um, so this this episode was recorded for that, and and my boss Alex is kind of interviewing me just to hear the story and. You know why I went with the six five Creed more, which if you know me or like have listened to me very long, I, I have a pretty dry sense of humor, and so that was that was part of why I chose that. But um, yeah, without further ado, you know this is this is that story and how how that unfolded, and uh, I appreciate you listening. Thank you. Well, like a little bit of background, I I'm lucky that I get to hunt grizzly bears pretty much every year. Uh, I live in interior Alaska. I've hunted bears on the coast before, done a little bit of like assistant guiding and whatnot um, for brown bears, but mostly I hunt interior grizzly bears and I do that primarily over bait um, just because of the type of country it is. Around here, it's the only way to effectively do it. You know, you got like pretty relatively flat and just like heavily timbered, heavily brushed stuff that there's tons of bears and... uh but you're never going to see them. So I've been doing it quite a while and kind of figured out how to be successful at it. And I'll usually start like, like have baits out as soon as I can get them out after the river ice goes out in the spring. And usually there's still like maybe a little snow on the ground. Um, in mid, in early May, I try to get stuff out. And usually over the years, like I just to kind of like set the scene for how not necessarily easy it is or, you know, opportunities kind of are, are, hard to come by. I usually takes me about a month or I usually will, I usually will get a shot opportunity, but sometimes that's not till like the middle of June is probably the average. Um, and I've gotten a couple bears in early June. I've had a, a chance or two in May, but like, it's pretty, they're pretty few and far between. Um, it takes a lot of persistence. Um, the, the grizzly bear, grizzly bears are very like extremely spooky, compared to black bears and they're not predictable usually come you know visit a bait site maybe two 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 is probably the average like two days in a row sometimes three and then they're like off doing whatever they do but uh so this spring i started out my actually took my my son out uh, who's seven and we set up the bait and you know it was a big goal to get him a black bear this year and kind of get get that out of the way first and uh because black bears are generally the first ones that show up and so we set it up and got him a black bear and then i hunted several more nights um basically sat all night that had had grizzlies come in on trail camera but they they just never showed so and just to just to slow you down for a second like you're saying night folks need to remember that in alaska it's still daylight out in the middle of the night <laughs> yeah. yeah it does it doesn't uh in may you know by the by the end of may it doesn't get dark like it gets kind of it gets yeah. kind of dark at like you know two o'clock in the morning and then it starts getting light again so if you want to you can you can hunt in the daylight or in in you know light conditions pretty much all night yeah pretty much um it's uh yeah and that's when the bears are moving like that's that's when the bear it gets cold like it gets cool and even even cold like sometimes down in the 40s you know okay early in the season um it cools off at night and the bears i mean they're more of a nocturnal animal that's when they get up and do stuff and grizzly bears i mean they can come in at any time but it seems like half of them are more like like two thirty, three o'clock in the morning yeah. type of time frame to show up and be really active and it really sucks because you got to sit all <laughs> you, if you like if you want a chance you got to sit all night yeah you know so i'm a lot of times showing up in the sitting climbing in the tree stand at 7 p.m and getting out at like 6 30 a.m oh my god you know which it sucks it's <laughs> it's fun i mean it, it sucks until it doesn't but um it just takes a lot of persistence and man, I don't know. It's a game of like, and I'll like refer to this. It's a game of persistence. Like you, you, uh, you're tired and you're like, all right, you're playing the odds. Like, all right, what's the odds of this thing? You're actually going to show up. <laughs> yeah. And you know, like at a certain point it's like becomes less likely, right? You know, you miss yeah. the prime time. Um, it's like, so how much longer do I sit just in case? And, uh, 
and yeah, usually by six o'clock or so it's, it's, I'm done, but I have climbed out of the stand several times at like five thirty six in the morning and like getting my stuff in the boat or whatever and spooked bears that were finally coming in. Oh my God. Yeah. Heart, heartbreaking. That's kicking the nuts, man. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, so I, I sat down this one night and I, uh, didn't know what to expect when I showed up. So I had my, my bow in the boat and my six, five Creedmoor walk in, check the camera. And this big grizzly had been in there the previous two nights in a row, like early morning. I'm just saying night. Cause it's during the night. Sure. So, uh, that more early that morning had been two thirty AM and then the day before had been three thirty AM. And so I'm like, well, there's a good chance the thing will be back tonight. I got to try. So, yeah. um, left the bow in the boat and, uh, grabbed the old six, five and climbed up in the stand and it was about seven o'clock and it was actually kind of a fun night, you know, so it's a lot of nights and on some baits that I've had where it's just grizzly bears, like you're not seeing anything until that grizzly bear shows up. Yeah. Um, but this one has quite a few, he has typically quite a few black bears and there were some bears to, had a couple bears come in, um, early and then one, like right before midnight, um, this big, big black bear came in and, I'm just like the whole time I'm like, man, why am I not shooting this bear? I mean, my kid got one, but I hadn't shot a black bear yet. I'm like, like, no, don't like just resist the urge, you know? And so, uh, watch that bear walk off. And then, so it was, yeah, about two, two thirty in the morning. I'm like, all right, it's getting to be about that time. Like you can't count on them being punctual grizzly bears, but yeah, like sometimes they are. So, you know, it's, it'd be natural for me to, to hope that the thing shows up right then. Yeah. And, yeah. uh, like right at two thirty, I see, like, I just kind of, there's a spot that kind of a, a gap I had cut that you can see back into the timber on one of the trails bears typically come in on. And I just look, happen to look up and see a hind leg, like move, between the gap, like move forward between the gap and the trees. I'm like, all right, there he is, you know, and I could just see the leg Yeah. and it's, and it's dark. So yeah, I turn the camera on, get ready. And then it's that black, it's that last black bear again, just kind of let down and, but it's something to watch, you know, when you're falling asleep, kind of reinvigorate you, but the bear comes in and, you know, does its thing and, you know, comes over and looks, looks up the tree, you know, doesn't climb, but looks up the tree at me. And I'm like, man, that's a pretty, like pretty big head on that bear. I should probably shoot that thing but <laughs> anyway so i did i didn't and let it you know let it walk off and black bears will typically keep coming back over time to a base i'm like i might get another chance at that bear but i'm not going to get another chance at the grizzly if i spook them usually if those grizzlies smell you or you spook them bad like they the, a lot of times they won't ever come back in my experience like where i'm at yeah um that may not always be the case but so black bear goes away. And then at this point I'm like, all right, I'm calling it at three I'm, like, I'm tired. <laughs> I can't like, I'm doing the math, like how long it's going to take me to get in my bed and then get up to work. You know, I'm like, so if I don't kill yeah. anything that night, I'm like, I got to work <laughs> tomorrow. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of like the, un- the unwritten rule at outdoor life. Like, yeah, you can hunt. But if you're not if you're not shooting stuff, then you also have to work. Yeah, if you're not deal, you're not skinning something or what. Yeah, yeah, you're. You gotta you gotta punch the clock, bud. Um, so yeah, yeah, if you if you if you shoot one, you get a free pass. But if you're not, like you better be writing. So yeah, don't wake up to that that email. What do you got for me today? <laughs> but uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. So anyway, Mike, my, my result. I finally was like three forty five. I'll call it, which I probably would have stretched to four, but three thirty. I I'm sitting there and uh, you know, I mean, just checking my phone like every ten minutes, looking at the time, and uh, I look up and I see that black bear back there in the timber again, and I'm like all right, buddy, your time's up. You come in, you're getting greased. Like, I'm going to shoot, I'm just going to shoot this bear and call it a night. I was like, man, why? Like, this is just a nice black bear. Like, great, primo hide. You're just a good bear. Yeah. Anyway, um, it was almost like I had just, like, thought it out loud or something. Because as soon as I thought that, that bear takes off running. And it's, like, back in the timber. Absolutely perfect conditions. Bear, you know, the bears typically don't like it as much when it's windy or if it's really raining hard. I mean, it's just a dead calm perfect night and the the yeah the wind or or you know breeze you know just the way the air was falling almost 
was from the, if I'm looking at the bait, it's blowing to my like five o'clock. So per like perfect direction. The bears like never come from there. Um, they always, there's a couple different trails that they'll take to come in, you know, like maybe three o'clock from the bay and 1030, something like that. And, and that's kind of the, the direction I saw that bear was it like my 10 o'clock back in the woods. Okay. And it took off run and I hear it like breaking through. So I got to back up a second because I think the D de- I was pretty tired. The details are a little fuzzy. Some, it was before. Yeah. yeah well, it had to be before that. It had to be before that. I heard that grizzly bear jump in the river, like go in the river from the other side. And I've had that happen before, like years ago. So this bear, like I hear it, I hear it. And, and re- like I'm, I'm baiting off a river and the re- like the water makes a lot of noise. You know, there's like branches and stuff getting moved around and beavers. And so I hear something walk into the river and like a just kind of splash. And then I'm, but I'm listening for it to climb out. Yeah. And at some point I, lo- I like didn't hear it climb out. So I kind of just forgot about it. You know, in the, so they jump in the river, the bear jumped in the river and it was confirmed after that black bear ran off. And I hear like a big snap back there, like a big limb cracking back in that direction. And I'm like, Oh boy, here we go. You know, like that's him. That's just a dead giveaway. And the grizzlies, like they typically make a lot more noise. Like they aren't as careful and quiet as black bears are. I'm like, well, here it goes. Like the wind's good. And I expect him to kind of circle around yeah. my right side and come, come right in, you know, on one of those trails. And that's all she wrote. But, uh, as he's getting closer, I'm like, man, that sucker's going to go behind me, like right through my wind. And I use those, I use those ozonics, um, which they aren't perfect, but they work pretty damn good. Like if you're, if you're for keeping just, it's a ozone for people who don't know, it's an ozone generator that you like set up in the tree above you and you keep it pointed downwind and those ozone molecules like bond to your scent molecules and, and they fall out of the air. Pull, pull them down. Pull, pulls them down. Yeah. And, uh, and then critters don't smell you. And it's like, I mean, sidebar, it's like the most gimmicky sounding thing you could ever imagine but they absolutely work like i've I've just had them work so like so many times yeah that i I can't you believe i can't deny it but uh they i was like a little anxious at this point i don't know what it is but like when a grizzly bear's coming and i know they're coming i mean like kind of a combination you've been like waiting patiently and and just all the stuff that goes into it in the background that a lot of people don't even realize of stuff like setting this situation up. Yeah. Man, I get so excited. Like my heart just like <laughs> pounding every time. Like it, I've been doing it for a long time. I've just waylaid a bunch of grizzly bears and it just never gets old. Like it's yeah. one of the most one of the most exciting like hunting experiences that I get to I get to go through. So, but this bear's coming. I'm like, man, he's going to cut my wind. And I had the, and it's kind of blowing backwards. So I got the little, the ozonics turned as far as I can to face downwind and he gets through my wind and I'm like, oh man. And then my next thoughts, well, he's going to cross my trail that I walk in on. And that's even like coastal brown bears, their, their sense of smell is so good. I mean, I, and many people will tell you that like, they'll be watching a brown bear walk and they hit a tray they cross like your tracks from a day or two ago and they turn around and go the other way because they can smell that you've been you know that a person has been there unbelievable and they don't want anything to do with you so and i've got all this on video you can hear that bear coming yep and then you hear him like give a big huff and take off running and i'm like well there's the whole freaking night man like all for nothing (laughs) <laughs> just like every other time, you know, like it's normal to not even see the bear, but it hurts. It stings extra bad when the bears when you see 20 him. yards, 20 yards behind you. I mean, couldn't see him yet, but it was 20 yards behind me. And then like, oh. so, I mean, I was just like, you know, basically knew I was like, I know this is toast, but it surprised me because that bear, he loped a ways and then he kept circling to my left I'm like, that sucker is actually going to like pop his head. I might get a shot at him. And so I got ready. And in the video, you see my rifle barrel like moving farther and farther left. <laughs> I was kind of looking over my shoulder, waiting <laughs> to like get a glimpse of him and be ready as soon as he popped out. Cause I was going to shoot him the first, the first chance I got, you know, the first clear shot. Um, 
I got, I was going to shoot him. And that's, that's what I, even with a bow, it some, takes a little bit longer, but that's like my, that's my mantra. <laughs> shoot him, yeah. shoot him the first chance you get because, because they're usually not going to give you very long. Like they, they don't hold still. They're just antsy. They're not like black bears. They, a lot of them will not hold still and they're just kind of stomp around. They may, they may sit down and eat a little bit, but they're eventually they'll figure out you're there and they'll spook. Um, yeah. When I I used to do it on the ground and tried, you know, it was just and sitting like in a ground blind or just a constructed ground blind, and it was just so it was so tough to stay undetected long enough to get a shot off. Yeah, and you know they would either they either just run off or they charge you and then run off. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just held ready, and as soon as that bear, like I could see him coming through the trees and confirm, like, yep, that's the one I'm. That's the one I want. And it was the only grizzly bear that was showing up at the time. So he, yeah, as soon as he stepped out, I, the shooting commenced. Um, <laughs> I had to wait for him to get like clear a little limb that was hanging on another tree. Yeah. And uh, yeah, as soon as I got a good, you know, shot at his lungs, I, I started shooting and it was over very quickly. <laughs> okay. So talk, talk us through the shot. Now this, this gets into some, this kind of gets into the heart of this, which is like, We'll talk about it a little bit later, which is going to be really interesting to everyone except for you, <laughs> because you kind of already knew what exactly what was going to happen. But for everyone else listening to this, they're like, oh, my God, well, how did the 6.5 Creedmoor work? How is this possible? So humor us. Talk us through like exact like distance how the bear was positioned, shot placement, like just in detail, like what exactly happened. All right. So, um, he, uh, I don't know, it's probably 10 yards, like close. He's close. Okay. Which we can expand on like, you know, some of the, like the, Oh, well it was just 10 yards type of thing later. But so he's coming in like maybe slightly quartering to, um, but you know, fairly broadside and, I basically shot him right off the back of the front shoulder because of his angle. Like my priority was just to get both lungs. Okay. And that's, that's like my, you know, I will, that's the hill I'll die on for shooting bears is to like have your first shot. Try to shoot him through both lungs. Don't try to shoot him in the shoulder. Um, you know, it's better, you know, with a bow, especially with a bow, stuff like that. It's like, I, you know, I think it's better to miss them high and back than it is to miss them low and forward or, you know, up around the shoulders. Um, so yep. Uh, my first shot, I just, and it did, you know, it's pretty fairly easy with the rifle at that distance. You know, I just put it right through both lungs and squeezed it off and then immediately threw another <laughs> chambered another round and you, you never know how those bears are going to react, but I mean, it was pretty kind of what i expected black bears a lot of times will just take off running and you may not get a second shot at them grizzly bears a lot of times will spin around and do stuff when you shoot them with a rifle um and that's kind of what he did he uh looked like he was trying to dunk a basketball like he jumped like and all this is going on in my i'm watching him while i'm chambering around and he's like jumps vertical up in the air and spinning around and basically as soon as he i had another round in as soon as he had kind of completed that spin or no, it was a one eighty. like he was facing the opposite direction. As soon as he came down on all fours, I shot him again, um, through the lungs or, or as close to it as I could. That's what I'm going for. Like any shot I get at this bear, I want to just put that bullet right through the middle of him. And, uh, and he kept spinning back off. And as I got another round and hit him again, as he kind of spun and turned his side to me, I hit, I shot him in the shoulder, hit him in the shoulder that time. And then he just like collapsed, like immediately went down. Um, he was from timing the, and, and stuff's real echoey in the middle of the night in the woods there, but timing like the echo of the last shot, like the bear was on the ground before the echo of the first shot, like subsided. Wow. I mean, it was, it was quick. He went about seven, went about seven yards and, even from the first shot, you know, at the, like around the bait site, he had sprayed, like just spinning, had like sprayed blood, you know, like he, he, he was toast. He was not going very far. So the first shot, he was, he was basically dead with that first one, but you, you kept shooting anyway. Yep. Why? Because that's what you do with grizzly bears or black bears or real. I mean, arguably any game, you know, you don't want to. 
you know, if you're shooting a moose or a caribou or a deer, it's not, you know, I, I don't want to blow up a bunch of meat because, like, especially at close range, I know a lot of people have blown up, you know, you, you blow up half the meat on a critter by blasting them a bunch of times. But um, any any outfitter, like any, like, reasonably smart bear hunter will tell you, especially with grizzly bears, like, if they give you another shot, take it. Regardless of what you're shooting, regardless of what you're shooting, regardless of what you're shooting and where you hit them, just it, you know, it's like an insurance thing. I mean, they are a dangerous animal, you know, and even though you may make a like absolutely perfect first shot that they're not going to go like that bear probably, probably wouldn't have gone much farther than it already did. Maybe 50, like 50 yards. If they take, if you shoot them and they take off at a dead run, maybe a hundred yards yeah. with that, lung, you know, double lung shot, like they're just not going to go far. They cannot survive it. Um, so, uh, no. So that's, I mean, that's like the common practice is, is, you know, you know, who knows, maybe your first shot, you just keep shooting them until they're on the ground. And some, some people will tell you to keep shooting them till they quit moving, then walk up and shoot them again. You know, I'm not quite, I'm not quite that extreme, <laughs> but, uh. But that's just the common practice. I mean, the grizzly bear I shot last year with my three thirty eight that kind of it didn't it wasn't charging me, but it was running at me. Um, I mean, I shot that bear twice with my three thirty eight, you know, and it's I can't get rounds shots off quite as quick with my three thirty eight or my three seventy five. Um, but even my three seventy five, I would have guarantee I would have shot that bear. I would have had the chance to shoot that bear twice at least. Yeah. And you know, unless sometimes you'll shoot you'll shoot bears with those big rifles and they'll just drop. But not a lot of times on a big on a big brown bear or grizzly bear, you know, they're like it's gonna take them a minute. Yeah. So what bullets did you choose for this for this grizzly shooting with your six five crude more? Um I chose a hundred forty grain nozzler partitions because I've got to kind of disguise the fact that Hornady paid me to do all this <laughs> to promote their cartridge. You know, that's if you, that, you know, that's if you add, if you ask, uh, ask some of the internet, um, the creed, creed morphobias. Yes. Yes, exactly. There's, there are, uh, there's a fun conspiracy theory out there that, uh, any outdoor writer who mentions six, five creed is getting paid by Hornaday to uh to do it so yeah so you had to disguise that uh by picking these nozzler bullets right yeah it's like uh it's a uh it's a prorated like it depends on how you mention it and where but you know if you can like slip it into you know your 22 long rifle story or whatever i mean you get get different (laughs) rates for for how it's how it's talked about and i should do pretty well on this one yeah um but uh no we i mean in typically like the only bullets are really using that rifle typically are the 143 grain eldx's which those would have done fine too um but i had never like shot anything with the partitions and honestly it was just kind of like a uh, why not it's a like tr- very traditional it's a non-bonded but like, i mean the partition in that bullet holds it together um the core is kind of in two sections it, i mean it's a good bullet man i've said for a, i've said for a long time that like a 243 with a hundred grain partitions is like an excellent black bear gun. I mean, it's just, it's phenomenal. We killed a ton of them with it. And the yeah. <laughs> same, I mean, the same principle, you shoot them in the lungs and like, they don't, they don't go far. They're, they're dead quick. I mean, my son killed his with a 350 legend, which is a little bit bigger diameter and like different style bullets. And I mean, there's some details, but man, I mean, it's just like not a super powerful not a super powerful cartridge. So, uh, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So that, I mean, that's kind of, it was, and we had some left over from our accuracy testing at the gun test. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. For anyone who still might have any doubt out there, like how did the bullets, obviously they killed the bear very quickly, but what, what did you get performance wise? Did you, what did you find when you got up to the bear? Um, they were just fine. Like there was blood everywhere. Um, they didn't blow big hole, like holes through the skin. Cause I mean, like a grizzly bear skin, it's not, that's not the toughest skin, but it's pretty resilient. And I mean, it's, it's a fairly small bullet, but, uh, I mean, there's blood everywhere. And then, uh, bull, the first and second shots, two of the shots passed completely through the bear. And this was a big bear. It's not like going out and shooting a three-year-old, you know, cause it's the first grizzly bear I could 
get a shot at. It it's one of the big one of the biggest body grizzly bears I've killed. I mean, biggest overall skull size too. But let's put it this way: when I saw that, when I saw the bear go down right there, I'm thinking I've got a little sled that I can I can I can drag a big black bear out by myself, no problem. And even my grizzly bear last year, I I drug that thing out to the boat. It was not no problem, but I got it. And I was thinking, sweet man, I'm going to be able to get that thing in the boat hole and skin it at home. And I walk up and like throw the sled down next to the bear and the head's like the entire head and neck are like out the front and the butt's like off the rear. I'm like, this is a little bit too big of a bear. I, I, I got, I just like rolling it onto the sled to move it 10 feet to take pictures of it, like out of the rose brush was a chore. So I, I mean, I, I had to skin it right there and part it out and, um, remove it in pieces. But, uh, yeah, two shots passed totally through the bear. And then the third one, which I think was that, I think it was that last one that I hit in the shoulder on the opposite side. It was under the bullet was under the skin. It was what I expected though. It wasn't any, it didn't surprise me. Yeah. Let's get, let's get into that. Let's get into that part. Um, cause I think this is important to understand like this for you, this was not like you didn't choose to kill a Grizz with a six, five Creed more as like an experiment. Like you knew what was going to happen. You knew this was a perfectly capable, capable cartridge and bullet selection to kill this thing quickly. So why did you do it? Why, what, what was the point of this hunt and kind of documenting it the way that you did? Well, it's two kind of twofold. Um, one, because so many people talk shit about six, five Creed more. Yeah. And two, I, well, I have kind of a weird, I wouldn't call it a fetish, but I have a weird, <laughs> I like to use different stuff when I'm like, I consider myself a pretty well-rounded hunter. Like I love, I like shooting traditional archery equipment. Um, I like shooting stuff with rifles. You know, I, I like it all, but I, grizzly bears, especially, you know, I, yeah, like in, over the past years, I've tried, like, I like trying different stuff for unique challenges, like using equipment that I'm going to have to really, you know, sometimes it's that I'm going to really have to learn, learn the equipment really well. So, you know, I shot, I've shot several of them with, uh, my recur my normal recurve and steel broadheads and whatnot. And then I got it in my head to kill one with a stone arrowhead and, um, I actually caught, she killed one of my biggest black bears as an experiment first. And I'm like, oh yeah, this, this, this is pretty deadly. Um, and then I ended up, I got a grizzly, a big grizzly with that. And then for during COVID, when COVID kicked off, I just, I, I bought one of those traditions like kit muzzleloader 50 cal rifles and decided I was going to get into muzzleloading, I guess. And that, I mean, I put the rifle together and, you know, it was quite like kind of a learning curve, a big learning curve to like figure out make, how to make that thing actually, you know, from having it all like preserved, you know, coated and preserved, you know, to, to be shelf stable, so to speak, and not, not corrode, like to make it go off the first shot. Um, so I ended up killing, I ended up killing a big grizzly about, about, about the same size as this one, big grizzly with a patched round ball with, which, like that old blunderbuss, man. Like my my wife put it. She's like, I get like wanting to use a recurve or something, but why do you just want to use this crappy old gun? <laughs> so, so you're gonna get yourself killed. But uh, no, I mean, I, in a 50 caliber round ball, sounds big. It's not very big. Right. They're like 170, yeah. 375 grains. Like not that impressive, and they flatten out yeah. immediately. Um. Which even our esteemed redneck colleague Will Brantley was like, I don't know how to, you know. He's like, we kill deer with them, but um, <laughs> so anyway, I mean, and that bear, like that, didn't pass through, but you know, shot the bear through the lungs, and he took off, run, ran about a hundred yards, and was dead. So, um, yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of like always on the hunt. I don't get too crazy, but I'm kind of always on the hunt for like something interesting. And we're sitting at our measuring targets at our gun test this spring. Um, and I don't know what brought it up, but like I'm all, it's April right before bear season kicks off and I'm talking about bear hunting. And for some reason I said like, I should just shoot one with the six, five. Like, I don't know if it was, we were measuring groups. We, we end up testing a lot of rifles in six, five Creedmoor because it's just like a very shootable, accurate cartridge with a wide variety of ammunition available. Um, 
and when you're shooting hundreds of groups for record, like it doesn't beat you up bad. Um, just a good round. So you you just I I know I know what it was because I was I was there. You just posted oh the, that's right yeah. the best bear cartridges story, and you were getting all kinds of you were getting all kinds of comments about your choices being too small. Like they're like, oh, this is irresponsible. You're going to get someone killed, you know. Um, Even for black bears, you know, it was like I had two forty three, two forty three, and six five Creedmoor in the black bears, which they knock the shit out of black bears. Like they're they're excellent black bear cartridges. Um, and you know, you get the you get the people like there's some some common ones like oh the need more or the the crud more, and most of it's from people who don't have any idea what they're talking about. Um. You know, it it's just, and I get it. Like, it's fun to make fun of stuff that, you know, you're like new, your adult onset hunter that really doesn't have any experience or know anything, you know, t- someone tells you how good their, you know, their new cartridge, which isn't, it isn't even a new cartridge anymore, but how good their stuff is when they don't have any idea or experience to back it up. And maybe you have had like really good luck with the cartridge you use. And that's, I mean, that's kind of a whole nother thing we get into, but, um, so yeah. And people say, I would never hunt a bear with a six, five, you know, it's like, well, why not? You know, like it's right. There's plenty, plenty capable, <laughs> you know, if, if a sharp rock tied on the end, literally tied on the end of a stick can like kill a bear effectively. Like there's no reason that <laughs> yeah, yeah. A six, five can't. So it was kind of out of spite. I was just like, you know what? I should use a six, five, I should shoot a grizzly with a six, five this year. And I think you were like, well, you have to now. <laughs> yeah. And so that was kind of like, that was kind of like my thing. I mean, it wasn't, and I told you, I told you at the time, like, I know how this is going to end. I said, all I need, all I, the hard part is going to be getting, getting the opportunity and I'm like, I'm pretty sure I can, I can get at least one good opportunity. So it's, yeah, partly that. And it's just entertaining for me, fun for me. I mean, I like hunting grizzly bears no matter what. So I don't really care that much what I shoot them with. But um, it was, you know, and it ended up being like a good example of just like, look, like these things can, perf- like the rifles, ca- the rifles capable, you know, you may not like your expectations with like maybe off a little bit, but people say like, it's too, it's too, too dainty for deer, you know, for like white tailed deer. I'm like, what, what kind of white tailed deer are you dealing with, man? Yeah. I mean, all you can ask for is for a bullet to like blow through an animal and like, you know, they may not leave a biggest hole, but I mean, you shoot them through the lungs. It's, you know, a good bullet's going to do plenty of damage. Yeah. I think, I think the, uh, probably the best statement you're making by doing this, by shooting this bear with the six five, is like cartridge selection and caliber selection is in the grand scheme of the hunt, it's not really that important. A lot of times, yeah. Um, you know, I think I think caught like what gives you confidence is is important because that is going to help. You know, I mean, it, like. It's kind of a chain effect, you know. If what your what you, the rifle you carry, if you know you shoot it well and you have confidence in what it can do, you know you're going to be more relaxed. You're going to tend to make better shots. But you know, take like well, the 308 is even closer. But a 30 out six, like a 30 out six, is more powerful than a 6.5 Creedmoor. Yeah. Okay. But you can't tell me that like, and because because a 6.5 bolt is actually a little bit bigger than 6.5 millimeters, like. Less than a millimeter of difference in 40 grains in weight at the same velocity, basically, like a 30 out six with 180s, you know, like yeah, at reasonable distances with a good, you know, a double lung shot, like it's not going to be that different. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, I'm sorry, sorry, grandpa, but <laughs> you know, <laughs> like the, the end result, like, you know, like they're a heavier, you know, even a 308 or, you know, or, like a heavier bullet is, yeah. You know, they may give you a little bit more forgiveness in certain shot angles and whatnot, but just choose good shot angles, man. Like if you're talking about an ideal, like a good double lung shot, like the the end result is not going to be much different. Why do you think people get so wrapped around the axle when it comes to cartridge selection around like the biggest game, like bear, like grizzly bears and moose, like. Oh, why do people freak out so much 
when it, and, and a lot of folks who have never hunted grizzlies or moose before are kind of the ones who are like pushing these arguments so often. I mean, I don't know. I think a lot of it's because, well, when you don't have that much real experience with it, like all you're seeing is the extremes, you know, and you just think, oh, because, you know, if, if like a white tailed deer is fairly tough, you know, I mean, you shoot them, they take out like the pretty flighty or an elk, you know, have a reputation for being real tough. You think, oh, well, bigger or meaner is going to be require even something, something you know, a bigger one. And, there, and there's plenty of people that'll, you know, pl- that do that are just all gung ho, you know, shoot the biggest gun you can, which isn't, is not necessarily a bad, a bad plan because there's, you know, they're having forgiveness there. And I'm not, and this, this all isn't to say that like the six, five Creedmoor is like the best grizzly gun. Cause it's, there's plenty of other cartridges that I would, I would say are, are better suited to it. But the point that it's, just it's a totally capable round for a lot of things and frankly like i know quite a few guys who have killed grizzlies just fine with six five creedmoors um yeah but there's just a weird and i mean i'm the same way like there's a weird kind of emotional attachment that we get to some of our gear and the things we use i mean we'll save like i mean i'll save like brass that oh shot this you know shot this sheep in 2017 with this brass and um, you know, and we, we, especially if we have like really, well, if we have good or bad results, like our, our attachment or hatred of certain cartridges, which if you have a large enough sample size is just silly. Um, cause you see that a lot of it just, wa- a lot of it washes out. But if you have like a really good experience with a cartridge, like eh, you're going to go with that because you have confidence in it. If you have a really bad experience with a cartridge, like it's easy to blame the cartridge. Yeah. But I've never seen a six, you know, and, and that's, you see that commonly with uh, six, five, you know, six, five Creed more, especially just because I think there's so much, some circles, yeah. like it's kind of been overhyped to be more than it is, but it's also like a, an extremely popular, extremely popular um, and effective cartridge. So, um, so, so like a lot of the attention is kind of deserving and it's because you know, I mean, the thirty yachts. How many articles have there been written about the thirty yacht six over the yeah. last seventy five hundred years? You know, I mean, a lot. So um, it's kind of a factor of like, what are people? What are people using? And people are going to want to like learn more information about the stuff that's being used. And I'm kind of rambling there, but yeah, people get weird. You know, I've, you, you see like some people being outspoken about, oh, well, I had this bad experience with the Creedmoor. Or, you know, one I remember seeing is like, I shot this deer with a 6.5 Creedmoor and it ran around the field for two minutes before it fell over. And it's got literally the whole size of a softball out like the backside. I'm like, man, sometimes weird stuff just happens. Like, it's a perfect shot. Like, sometimes the animals just don't don't always die. You know, you, sometimes you'll see have the same thing happen with, with a 300 Win Mag, you know? Yeah. Like, it just... Uh, you just can't, there's a kind of a factor of unknowns, but the one known is you shoot an animal with a decent bullet through both lungs. It's going to die pretty quickly. You, you may, you may have to track it a little bit. You may have to like exercise some woodsmanship, but it's dead. So in your own personal selection for like choosing just a projectile to go through a grizzly bear, you're just like, you just want something to penetrate through the lungs. And as long as it does that, like you're feeling good about the ethics and, you know, safety of using that projectile. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, and like bond, you know, bonded bullets are, are good. Like I like, I like using good bullets. My problem is there's too many good bullets and not a stuff, not enough things that I can shoot with them. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like I like, I like, every, yeah, yeah. you know, like I like Barnes, like a Barnes X bullets or like my kid's bear was kind of a, an example of, you know, trying out a new bullet that ended up being extremely effective. You know, like, so a lot of the monolithics are good. Um, a lot of the bonded bullets are good. And I mean, just a regular old nozzle partition, man. Like if a bullet's just not in cartridges that are like medium speed, like the six, five Creedmoor, like you're not going to blow bullets up with them, yeah. especially with bears. Like guys will get really in the weeds and like, oh, well, if all you got to shoot is like through his nutsack, cause that's the only sh- shot he gives you, 
you know, you better take it or you're not getting your bear. Well, like, I mean, how do bow hunters, like, and I'm not like, I'm not an extreme bow hunter by any means, but, you know, like bow hunters will tell you, well, man, I just never thought I'd get a shot, but I was patient and guess what? I got a shot. Yeah. Um, there's like a, you got to balance it with being very, being selective on your shots. You know, it's like guys will talk, you know, wanting a, a monolithic bullet. Cause if you got to shoot them, you know, through the paunch to get to their lungs, like, you know, it's, you know, big stuff and on a big, like caribou moose elk that's packed full of food. I could see that like, really being an impedance, but also be ready to shoot again if you have to shoot Yeah, that way. I mean, I, I just, I would just rather wait. And if I was like guiding, I don't have my guides license anymore, but if I was like guiding a client, I want them to like wait for a good, like double lung shot. And then yeah. it's over. Then it's all like, then the rest is just details. Yeah. You know, like as hunters, I, as hunters, I mean, we're kind of taught this, but you got to balance like just the desire to like have this animal dead no matter what with like, Hey, I'm going to be, you know, being patient and making good choices on your shot selection. I mean, I've never seen, I've never seen a, like a, a, a bad experience with, and I'm sure like stuff just happens sometimes, but I've never seen like any consistent pattern of like bad experiences that can't be with a Creedmoor or any other cartridge that can't be explained with like just maybe not the best decisions yeah. or the best shot placement. Yeah. You've just, I mean, you've just explained, you've just explained it perfectly. Like, which is not what people want to hear. Like you have to put more effort into, uh, your skill and patience as a hunter to get the right shot. That's the key versus, oh, you can just buy this magic cartridge and then shoot any animal in any range, in any uh, position and not have to worry about it. Like people just want to, they just want to buy the magic thing. That's like the ultimate death ray out there. But that's, that doesn't exist. Like no matter what, you have to use your skill as a hunter to optimize good shots. That's like, that's the reality of it, but that's not fun. That's not fun. No, that's not fun to talk about no, on the internet. No, it's not fun to talk about. <laughs> and it's like, not, I think big guns are cool too. I mean, I, and I, like I carry a 375 like checking bait going into, in, in situations where I'm like, you know, I may have to shoot a bear off the end of my muzzle. Sure. Um, like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, that that's what like a lot of these medium cartridges are best for, but they are effective. They are effective killers in a, in a normal hunting situation. And then, you, you know, you go big, like my 375 Ruger is one of my favorite rifles. Like the thing like knocks the life out of stuff. Like it just, it, it, it's, uh, hits hard on both ends, but there's trade-offs. I mean, it's not as easy to shoot. Well, I mean, it's accurate gun, but it's, uh, it's not as quick as, you know, a lighter, a lighter kicking gun. And frankly, I mean, it's unnecessary for a lot of stuff. Like if I'm going, I'm going in checking bear baits every single year, all year, or, you know, going down on the coast, like for me, where I live and what I do, like, it's a smart gun to have, but it's nothing, you know. Even even the, the even the very limited times I've had to use it, like the one, the it's nothing that really even a thirty out six couldn't do. And you know, like would I hunt grizzlies on the ground with a six five? Like, yeah, I mean, I'm going to be cognizant of the situations I'm putting myself into, but you know, I'd rather I'd a lot rather deal with a grizzly at ten feet running at me with a six five Creedmoor than I would with a forty four mag or four fifty four Casul. Yeah. Oh God, now you're now you're really gonna get the other half of the you know? the, the internet <laughs> to hit you. Well I mean it's just it, <laughs> it, yeah, you know, like it's you know, yeah, smaller bullet but a lot more a lot more gun and a lot, you know, easier to put shots where they need to be, you know. I mean it's not it's not and that's kinda of, I mean that's kind of another like I've talked, was talking with Snow about the aspect of follow, you know, as a hunter, like being ready to take follow up shots. You know, a lot of people, whether it's a deer, or whatever, or that bear, you know, you shoot and then you pick your head up to look to see what happened and what, and you take like long, you know, sometimes even if we make mistakes, like a quick follow up shot can fix them if we're ready to take them. And that, I mean, that's, you know, that's another, the, I mean, just another aspect of like well rounded 
you know, being well-rounded, you know, or if, you know, if you're shooting a cartridge and you expect like that one shot to drop that animal in his tracks and it doesn't. Yeah. And like, you know, you're not ready to shoot again or that kind of throws off your like world of expectations, you know, all of a sudden it's a failure when really the animal's laying dead 50 yards over there and you just got to go find it. Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think one of the things you said too, is like, even, even for folks who hunt a lot, um, and shoot a lot of animals, like the sample size that we're getting is, um, like from like a statistical standpoint is very small. So when you're talking about things that give you confidence and like kind of field anecdotes, like those do tend to overweigh or to outweigh like logic and like kind of the basic ballistic, uh, math of like what we're doing out there. Um, but there, I mean, there is something to be said about just like having a gun that you shoot really well and a bullet that you really believe in and just kind of like sticking with that. I think the flip side is that doesn't have to mean that everything else out there sucks and is bad. Exactly. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) You know, and, it's yeah, you know, it's just our I think it's our like human nature to, you know, we we like we like what we like and we have reasons for that whether they're they make whether they're like actually logical or not and and it's going to like it's hard like we get we're passionate about this, right? Like it's hard it's hard to uh hard to sway hard to sway us sometimes you know and i mean even like in the world of like reloading and rifle we see this with rifle accuracy like how ac- how actually accurate are a lot of these hunting rifles that come out that we get to test and like people argue argue with you like over a point that's I mean it's kind of silly because it doesn't even matter <laughs> but um there's there's things you know that that plenty of stuff that people are just willing to take off the gloves for <laughs> that really really you know don't aren't that important in the big picture I mean that like. If I'd had a 243, that grizzly would have been just as dead, just as fast, and it wouldn't have died really any faster if I had my three. If I'd shot it with my 375, probably. I think uh, anyone listening to this, like their final takeaway from this podcast, should be that the 65 Creedmoor is hands down the best cartridge for hunting grizzlies. And if you choose anything, 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 <laughs> yeah, anything, yeah, is the peak. It's the it's the it's the peak of sophistication. There you go. In the hunting in the hunting world, you'll be smarter. You'll shoot better. <laughs> well, Tyler, if you're anything, you're the peak of sophistication. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> look what it did for me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, man, I appreciate you. Uh, uh, tell them the story of this hunt and congratulations on a great giant grizzly bear. Yeah. Thanks man. It's uh yeah, that's, that's the fun part getting out and getting out and doing the stuff. Everything else is just a bonus. 